0: I want to share with you a text, or at least, yeah, we'll leave it at that, a text. It's in Psalm 25, and let's read from verse 12. Who is the man, that means mankind, man and woman, who fears the Lord? He will instruct that person In the way he should choose. His soul, that person we're talking about, will abide in prosperity. Then in verse 14, the secret of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he will make them to know his covenant. Um. I've had a problem with this text, so it wouldn't leave me, so I had to have the problem with it. And that is there's too much here to say everything I want to say. And so I'm going to cut to the chase and we'll get to other parts of it another day. And I want to zero in on this word, fear. The man who fears the Lord... The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him and if you haven't had a problem with that I I don't know because it fills the Psalms and Proverbs of the Old Testament and it's found in the prophets too. It, It was one of those expressions that you just simply find spilling out of the mouths of believers in the Old Testament and if you just read it like it says the fear of the lord well i say again uh you should have had a problem with it if you didn't have a problem with it then you are probably among the religious who have zeroed in on this verse with great delight that here they tell me and they told me into my face that it proves that the person who believes it lives in terror and fear, um, having panic attacks over God, that God is this person that evokes our terrible fears, panics. Well, no, you see, that's not what it means. And I seriously say that. The fear of the Lord means something else altogether. And what I would like to do is spend an hour telling you why that is so. But as I said, I'm going to cut to the chase. So just understand, it does not mean what we think it means. And I might just throw in that even Webster's Dictionary agrees with me. If you go to Webster's Dictionary, and the last time I looked, that has nothing to do with the Hebrew language or the Greek language in plain English The word fear means to stand in awe, wonder, worship, to give honor and respect. And I'll leave it at that. That even in English, this word does not mean what the general public of the 21st century believe it means, nor certainly does it mean what our religious friends tell us it means. So what is, what is the fear of the Lord? And that might be the last time I'm going to use that phrase. Uh, what is the word of the Lord? You know, it's, it's such of such importance. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and wisdom is a word in the scripture, which means the unfolding of that intention that comes from before the beginning. So everything that we know of the unfolding of god's heart begins with the fear of the lord the fear of the lord is the beginning it's the genesis it's the river source of wisdom the wisdom and in a secondary sense wisdom means how to live this life you know we've said it before we we can know about so much but that means absolutely nothing. And that's a hard thing to say in 21st century Western world because we go to college to know about stuff that we'll forget the minute we leave and we come out as bachelors of this and doctors of that and all we've done is fill our heads with facts that we don't know anything about. Um, and then we move to the other word, no, which means union with that truth union of an observance and it's used of marriage it's used of deep friendship it means the coming together but living that out 24 7 is called wisdom it is not only knowing the facts it's not even knowing them within it's putting them into practice it's doing Christ in you it is doing the love of God that's wisdom how do you do it how do you do it Uh, And you know what I'm talking about. You meet these people who, uh, according to what it would appear, know everything, and then you meet some sweet saint who just lives in wisdom, and you've met Jesus when you meet them. It's the difference, the wisdom, compared with knowing. And it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning, just the beginning, of a life that is lived face to face with God that's what it's about you see so what does it mean i said we're cut to the chase what what does it mean well it describes an enlightened heart it means the holy spirit has opened our eyes and we have seen with those inside eyes who god really is and there comes with that another important word we're overwhelmed by the love that God has for us. And, and I'm very careful in saying these words. Uh, an, an enlightened heart. Yes, I believe in enlightenment. You don't learn this in school. You can go through Bible school and still not know this. I, I, I've met with professors. I, I remember when I was in a certain university, not that I went there, but I, I had the pass into the library, and I met there with the religious professors, brilliant men, who who could un, unfold some of the meanings of these words, and, and while, the, and I questioned them, to milk out of them everything they had to give, and while he was talking of some of these Unbelievable. See, almost there I, I ran out of words. The, the the glory of God's love that's revealed from cover to cover, this man was yawning, and he wasn't tired. He was bored. He he, he lectured on it, and oh, here's somebody else who wants some more. Well, here it is, you know. <sighs> yeah, the, what I'm talking about here is an enlightenment that overwhelms me And bursting into tears is more appropriate than yawning, if you get what I mean. That's the fear of the Lord. It brings with it a happy submission and dependence upon him. It's not law. You have seen the love that is toward you and that produces a submission and a happy dependence. It's not law. What else would you do? And it brings about this other word, reverence, but we understand it better maybe as worship. And so when I see who God really is and I know his love toward me, my response is worship. My response is love. My love for God is birthed out of his love for me. We love because he first loved us. We love because what else can you do in the face of such love? But I want to underscore what I just said, that it brings about worship, and really that demands an hour by itself, doesn't it? Because, you see, again, we have been taught, and I mean taught, that worship is what Leah just did. It's that 20 minutes before we get to the main course uh, and um, so uh, and in, in many of our charismatic churches, we have the expression praise and worship. And by praise, they mean it's upbeat. And then the singing gets softer and quieter, and that's worship. And um, the whole jolly thing takes about half an hour. And we said, we've been to praise and worship. Don't be daft, you haven't even started yet. That That is, is a bit of it, is a part of it. But worship is a way of life. Worship is 24-7. Worship is this word, the fear of the Lord. Worship, devotion to the love that first loved me. And along with that, and part of worship is awe. And again, it's a word. We talked about it before very briefly. See, these words have been totally twisted in our generation, to mean something they never meant. And so the word awe is used to describe a person in the peak of worship with their mouth open, come speechless with wonder, unable to even think what is happening to them, and we call that awe. And I was in a restaurant last Sunday and when the waitress was trying to get the menu and I passed it to her, she said, awesome. No, passing the menu to a waitress is not standing in awe before God. It's, but we've twisted these words. Um, just about anything you do, you might get the reply, awesome. It, it, no, th- this means speechless. It means wonder, wonder wonder i'm wondering right now that we sitting here and sitting out there we and all mankind live and move inside this god to his unlimited unbegun unending love that takes your breath away that 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 takes all sense out of your intellect The awe, the wonder, the worship brings about the mode of listening. And we have this other word, obedience, which is, I suppose, a translation of it. But really the heart and meaning of the word obedience is listen. If I translated the word into English really, it would be listen, listen, listen. Um, In the Old Testament, sometimes they translate it as hearken. That's a jolly good word. Hearken, hearken. Listen. Well, why are you listening? Because you've come alive to the God who is alive and who is speaking into your heart. Well, listen. It's all part of this word. And delight in him that he is your father and you are his beloved. Cheryl um, read this morning, earlier from isaiah 11 which, which it speaks that it speaks of um the spirit of the lord upon jesus and it points it out there that that holy spirit was the spirit of the fear of the lord and he goes on to say that jesus delighted in that spirit of the fear of the lord um because that, there's an interesting word there, delight. In the Hebrew language, and in many Bibles it, it tells you so in the margin, that that word delight means actually quick to smell. Quick to smell. It says Jesus was quick to smell the fear of the Lord. What, what does it mean? Well, it means he was very quick to sense what Father was doing and it goes on to say that he didn't judge by what his eyes saw and he goes and say he didn't make decisions based on rumors because he was quick to smell the fear of the lord he was quick to be aware of what father was doing quite against all appearances and so he said did he not um, I only say what I hear my Father saying. I only do what I see my Father doing. And that isn't that Jesus went around with a movie going on in front of him. It means within his spirit, he was quick to hear what Father said, and he said it after him. He was quick to be aware of what Father was doing here, and he was quick to do it. The fear of the Lord, um, this I say again, Jesus lived in the awe of Father's presence. He lived in the delight of what Father was doing. He got up in the early hours of the morning to go to the mountains to pray, and that doesn't mean that he had this wish list that he kept presenting to the Father. Um, No, pray, the word means conversation. It, It means visiting with your beloved, and that's what he did. So, if I let this phrase really hit me, uh, really what comes over in this first and center is awe and wonder and worship. That, that's what it's really saying. And, and that is because I've seen God for who he is. I have met him in the face of Jesus Christ. And when you really meet him, it leaves you speechless. Wonder, you know, wow. Uh, And that's the heart of worship. But that's what this, that last sentence I said, that's what it means. You see, the word wonder is a very big word in the Hebrew language. It means to be confronted by that which no human could think of, no human could ever do. This is God's territory, and He alone can think it and do it. Did you get that? That—that's the definition I just gave you. Wonder, I meet something. Of course, I'm speechless. My mind can't think it. I don't have the vocabulary to say it. I'm speechless because I couldn't—I couldn't even think of this. No, that's God's territory. He think—he's already thought of this i couldn't do it well of course you can't this is only god can do this 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 is what the word wonder means so, so sometimes that same word is translated in the bible as is anything too hard too hard that's the same word that's translated elsewhere as wonder too hard or some have translated it is anything too wonderful for the lord though that doesn't come over and it means is, there, is anything too hard let your imagination go as far as it will and then jump up the cliff and you'll find that he can do it all. He's, he's beyond all that we have ever thought It's wonderful. but that leaves you with this sense of awe. You can't there's no file to put it in. You don't know where to put this. That's awe. See I, I stand in, in that wonder, that awe, and that's what this, this word means and, and sometimes it's translated in our Bibles as impossible. Uh, with god all things are possible that is with god everything's wonderful that is he can do what no man can even think of let alone do he can do it and now this word comes out in psalm 139 when we look at ourselves and david looked at himself and after going into great detail he said we are fearfully there's that word again we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That is sir, I look at myself, and it takes my breath away, that I look at any human, and, and you know, see, they so hard for the Western world, because we have been taught now for hundreds of years that we're pieces of slime, that we're accidents the best way we can um, celebrate our origins is to go to Las Vegas because we're a matter of chance we're a matter of luck you are as good as a roll of a dice and with you it came up as two sixes here you are but of course it's all chance do you understand? That's what has been drummed into us, what is being taught our kids in school today. You're nothing. You're nobody. You're slime. You just happened by chance. And when you die, well, it will chance, and everything is luck. But no, when I look at myself, I see this that we're talking about. I, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There's not a part of my being that doesn't take my breath away if I stop to think about it. Wonderfully made. I meet it at a physical level, let alone everything else. And of course, when they summed up Jesus in Isaiah 9, they said, you shall call his name wonderful. You ever thought about that? You see what I mean. Have you seen in the Gospels? And sometimes it's sort of... People almost leave it out because it's just a a comment or something, you know. But but after Jesus does something or says something, it says, and they were amazed. And they said, what manner of man is this? Or is this the one? Do you know what the word amazed means? We actually use this in English, but we don't think about it. But amazed means to stand outside of your own mind because you've run out of thoughts. And in English, we say, I was beside myself. But that's exactly what the Greek says. You stand beside yourself and you've left your brain behind because you don't know what's happening. Did you realize this this is what we call Christianity? You'd never know it, but this is what we call Christianity. Does the gospel cause you to stand outside yourself and lose your mind? And discover outside of yourself the mind of Christ, you see. I thank God I lost my mind and discovered the mind of Christ to think God's thoughts. And of course, that's what it says in 1 Corinthians 2. Eye has not seen. See, this is amazing. This is a wonder. Nor ear has ever heard. Never entered into the imagination of man because it's a wonder. But God has revealed it to us by His spirit. We have the mind of Christ. Read it in 1 Corinthians two. see Or have you sort of thought, thought, thought of this one? I'm running the stuttering here. Um, in Isaiah eight, in, in the terms of prophecy, but it, it says to Isaiah. And he's speaking, and Hebrews chapter 2 tells us what was really going on. He was speaking of us. But, but he said, you and your children, you and your children shall be signs and wonders. And in Hebrews 2, it quotes that as to our relationship to Jesus. So my body is enough to take my breath away. But what has happened inside my very core spirit, I become in christ a wonder if you really understood what's happened to us it takes your breath away it takes your vocabulary away it's a wonder it is certainly not this idiocy of signing a piece of paper and now you're in it rather i should pick you up from the floor <laughs> you just realised what happened in christ jesus you see the gospel is a message of wonder it's a message of wondering and amazement Just the incarnation. You know, God, creator of all that is, has become human so that we might know him and he might show us who we humans really were meant to be. And goes on to say that the Father loves us in exactly the same way as he loves Jesus. And to realize that he is now immediately present to us at the deepest part of our being and every human being. That's the fear of the Lord. That you walk into any situation and you're aware of everything I've just said. It's, and of course that's worship. It, worship is this inner sense of awe which you never really get away from. It might go down a bit. I mean, you've got life to live and, and your, your work and things that happen in the home. Of course, they take this and that place. But underneath it all, underneath it all, there's this awe. You never forget, not really, that your awareness goes up and down. I'll grant you that. But it's there. I am the beloved of God. This wonder, my senses are always on the edge of being overwhelmed because we're doing what John says in his epistle, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. And I told you before, behold is really what we're talking about here. The awe, the wonder, the wow, and the word manner of love is really uh, this foreign kind of love, this love that I've never met within creation until now. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed, lavished upon us. We didn't pay for it. We didn't even ask for it. We never gave him permission. He just loves us. That takes our breath away. And it's all-encompassing. You cannot talk about this as just being a part of your life. It's impossible. It takes over of course our, our core person, the, the Bible talks about as heart, as spirit. But it takes over our mind. I can never think about life. I can never think about you. And I can never think about myself outside of this love. This love now governs my thinking, which means a lot of thoughts I used to think are dismissed as useless. They're, they're, I don't think i anymore. It's not worth it. It's my imagination. How do we imagine ourselves? How do we imagine other people? I, I'm, you know, our emotions. Our emotions are controlled by what's happening to us, but then kicks in what we've really seen, that what is happening to us is where I meet with God. That he's in every person, he's in every circumstance. This this person we're talking about has seen that and is in process of learning it. Even to the every cell of our body, my... my Seeing of God affects my health. It really does. It affects every cell of my body. My true identity as a human being. It's not what you do. It's not your work. It's not even your speciality. Who are you? You are a child of the Father who loves you. That's, that's who you are. You might do much others. You might do some things better than anybody else, but that's not your identity. That's what you do, your identity. And of course, such a person, such worship, such wonder, demands that we share what we see. Have you noticed that in our world system, Everybody shares what they see. And, of course, 99% of people you meet uh, are incapable of seeing what you've seen. That's incapable at this minute, at, at this point. That's not forever. But at this point, they can't see what you see. And so what do they share? They share their fears. They share the most terrible prognosis of what's happening. They give you the worst diagnosis of life they live in fear, and Fox and CNN and all the other media outlets—they're locked into that. Have you never? They never tell you good news, because they, at this point, they're incapable of feeding you good news because they are locked into the other kind of fear, and they've got to feed it. That's what they seem to be. But you see, you, you've, you, have you seen what you see? You've seen the love of God and you walk into every situation and you see it differently. Like Jesus, you don't judge it by appearance. You don't go on the stupid rumors that CNN put out every day. What's Father up to? What's Father doing? Where is Father in this? Well, I must speak somehow. Some people are not ready to hear everything I've seen. But it's going to come out. In fact, it's going to come out by your face. You see, whatever holds your gaze, whatever is mesmerizing you right now, which is called worship, it's going to affect your face. And you won't have to work at it either. It just will affect your face, it will affect your posture. The way you're feeling, the way you see life can bend your body over without you even trying. It can also straighten you up without you even trying. Do you really see that? You see, what you believe controls your attitude. And you know attitude is that vague thing. Your teenagers don't have to say a word, but you say you've got an attitude. You know, it, it, it comes through in, you don't have to work at it. it well, the Bible says that strangers, well, in, in the day that it was, uh, it was illegal to be a Christian, yet your fellow workers and neighbors came to you because they looked at your face and your posture and your attitude, and they say, give us a reason for the hope that is in you. There's something about you. Tell us. You get it, you see. And worship, that which you see. Worship is really believing in the person that you're exalting. And that opens you up to union with whatever holds your attention from your heart vision, you unite with and you become one with it. And so our whole life, our worldview reveals the one that we worship, the one that, who, who, what, what causes you to wonder? What causes you to wow? Walk around with me for a week, you'll find out. You know, it's the one I'm united to. Have you noticed fear as it's understood in this world? narrows your vision when you're afraid that's all you can think of and you're you're in a prison to that fear this other that our translators called the fear of the lord opens our vision and embraces everything in life and says you have never seen it yet until you've seen it through the eyes of God in Christ through the Holy Spirit You've never seen your neighbor, you've never seen the people in the grocery store until you've seen them through the eyes of Jesus. That's what it's about. Well, that's the person it's talking about here, those that fear him. But it says the secret of the Lord, the secret of I am is with those who fear him. And the word secret there has got an image to it. It's more a picture that I show you more than a definition I give. It's, can you imagine? Well, really, it's us this morning. That's really, but especially it's, what do you say, you all? It's a you all thing. It's, It's a people that are tight together in a circle, usually. That was the idea. And in that, Circle. it's a circle of love it's a circle of closest friends you might say buddies i mean it's uh shoulder to shoulder face to face it's it's what's another word confidence it's people i trust with my life trust with me it's a place of intimate sharing and it describes heads together, so I can hear what everyone is saying here. It means excitement. Everybody in that circle is excited about what we're talking about. They're awake and alert, lest they should miss anything that's being said. They are listening, and they are catching every word and all eyes are turned on the one in the center i am that that now that was a picture i hope you got it um, because that's what the word secret means it's not a secret so much as a secret situation in which we are in on this we're in on it we know what's going on we're part of what's going on but on the outside they don't know what's going on and thus the word secret. So it would be, could I say, a private place reserved for devoted lovers. It means get away from the crowd and not get away because you don't like the crowd. It's get away because they don't know what you're talking about. And you are now in this private place. It's a place to sit near and receive revelation promises, because he said he will show them that's the key to the idea of revelation. I tell you what it, what this is. Do you remember when Mary in the Mary Martha situation it, it says, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, and Mary, who didn't get what was going on? comes in, red-faced, blustering with flour all over her, saying, get that woman into the kitchen. But Mary was exactly what this is about. That's it. If you've got that picture, that's this. Sitting at the feet of Jesus in in this circle of love and receiving, um, one has translated it as sweet, satisfying companionship. I just leave that as it is that that's it you see it means an intimate relationship with your closest friend so the secret place is where i know my father as he knows me in jesus christ and jesus in that situation is my brother for he is God who has become flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone and so I am in the family and in the middle of it all the Holy Spirit is teaching me as only the Holy Spirit can teach me he's the most creative teacher you've ever met and if you read the whole scripture this secret place could also be described as a party or a dance. I would hate you to think of it being a morbid place where everybody is dressed in dark, miserable clothing. And No, this is a festive time. And when Jesus spoke of this secret place, he used the illustration of parties and dances and... Of shepherds who put sheep around their necks so they could whisper into the ear of the sheep. It's, get that picture. And the, the fact is, this is a closed group. But on the other hand, it's not a closed group. Because what they are speaking of is an open secret. It, it's called in the New Testament... It doesn't come as the word secret. That's more a Hebrew word. But in the New Testament, it's mystery. Paul spoke of the mystery. And it is a mystery until your eyes are open to Jesus, and then you say, what mystery? Uh, Jesus is the key. And in the New Testament, it describes this company that uh, find their connection in the mystery. but it's only a mystery to people that haven't had their eyes open or it's only a mystery to those who as yet have not had the wonder, the awe and all that that word means. And they can't see it. They can't. Because if you have a distorted image of God, if you see God something other than is love, well then... you can't. That's blinded your eyes and deafened your ears, and you you don't get it. And it's okay. I'm not condemning you if you don't get it, um, because only the Holy Spirit can teach you, and life will bring you to that point. But I tell you this: when when you come to see this, I can I know what you'll say. I can hear you saying, "You say I never saw this before. Never saw it before. It was in front of your nose for the last 20 years, but we didn't see it." we didn't see it and how many times we were I was talking with a pastor friend of mine the other day and and, um, we we were talking about my visit to his church and he said and he was laughing because he knows this but but he said they came to me afterward and they said I never heard that before he said I've been teaching it here for 30 years and I know he had but there's a moment when you see it but it's not intellectual. It isn't you went to Bible school, now I've got it. No, no. Go to Bible school, you'll be blind as a bat when you come out unless the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes. Do you understand me? There, there are people who can neither read nor write that have seen it. And there are people that have PhDs and have not seen it. This is this is not to do with your head. It's to do with the Holy Spirit. I has not seen. But the Holy Spirit has revealed it, and it, understand me, I mean, the mystery of love, I can talk about this probably for days that the love of God in all the facets of that wonder, and people at the end of it would say, "Yes, but Psh, see they don't get it. The incarnation we think it's Christmas, and we worship a baby. And that's good, that's good. The baby was God incarnate. But the incarnation happened nine months before when God, God became human in the womb of the Virgin Mary. And before that, I don't have an intellectual explanation. Don't ask me how. I don't know. It's the mystery. But I know because in the wonder of the Holy Spirit, we've met the living Jesus, you see. See, someone says how do you know god exists well i talked to him this morning you know it's, we're not dealing with an intellectual we're dealing with with this it's the secret of the finished work how can you take the bloody mess of the cross and say that was the salvation of humankind that he was raised from the dead how can you explain that how did jesus i don't know Don't know. It's a mystery. Except as I say, I've met him who says, I am he who lives. I was dead. and Behold, I am alive forevermore. I am the beginning and I am the end. I've met him, so I know he's alive. And how many times in evangelical churches I've heard it and my stomach twists when I hear it that some person who obviously has never heard the gospel before, and, and they respond to an altar call or something, and the pastor said, say this prayer after me, that I believe in the resurrection of Jesus, and they say it like a robot. No! I can't, I can't bring robotic sentences and sign here to say, I'm talking, you realize Jesus Christ is alive? He is alive in a glorified human physical body now. That's awe. It's not logic. It's awe. It's wonder. You don't sign a paper, you fall on your face. You know, it's... Well, you get what I'm saying. The the mystery, the secret of seeing... Seeing this this God in everything, in everyone. And to know the confidence that is not yours. Yet it is yours. But a confidence rising in you of his presence that gives you courage and boldness to live. Wisdom in life. But he he's enough for me to live. He's enough to handle the pressures of life. He's enough to handle the temptations. That That's a mystery. I report it, but I can't explain it. And then when you see with those inside eyes, then you know too. And now you're on the other side and saying, but I don't know. And you're, you're the one that's been saying, explain it, explain it. I can't until you come over this side by the power of the Holy Spirit, and then you see what you can't explain. I hope that makes sense. The confidence, the assurance of his provision, his protection. And so, I mean, the gospel of love is a mystery beyond comprehension to the point where it's scandalous, actually, that God should love us and I mean, Cheryl goes into death row and talks to murderers with the love of God. That's scandalous. I'm, I'm serious. That that's scandalous. She's supposed to go and say, "You've got to do better." You've got to. No, God loves you just as you are, where you are, deep in the darkness. God inside our darkness and loving us. But seriously, that that's a mystery. That's. that's That's what the circle talks about, the mystery, the circle. And that is, and I'll use the New Testament Greek word because the other word doesn't fit, that's the ecclesia. This circle of love that talks about this mystery and delights in this mystery is the ecclesia. And if you didn't know, the word ecclesia is translated as church but that word church has been so utterly destroyed i hate using it because people talk about churches as a building down the street they talk about church as some place you go to they talk about church as a denomination they talk on and on it goes anything but what it really means the company of people that have seen a company of people that know they are the beloved. A company of people whose hearts leap in awe, wonder, worship to love. Ecclesia. People who by their posture, by their face, by their actions, by their words, demand people. But when, I, when Ecclesia walks down the street, they leave a whole wake of question marks behind them. Everybody says, what is it with that person? You know, they've seen something. They've got something. Mm -hmm. John says, we invite you to our fellowship. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. And the fellowship happens in the Holy Spirit. And he says, we have joy. And we want you to come so that your joy might be full. That's it. That's it. That's this secret company. Mm -hmm. Jesus in the upper room talked about it how people can miss this intimacy i don't know because in the upper room and one day we'll have to talk about it but it it was the night in which he was betrayed have you ever gone through that john chapter 13 right through chapter 17 and is the upper room and, and it begins with Jesus washing their feet. You remember that, and and then there was the institution, if you want to use that word, of the Holy Communion. And then he he begins to talk this language of a day is coming, a day is coming, a day is coming, and it, it's almost here. It's almost here. It's like can you can you wait? It's a kid going to Disney World. I mean, it's it's, it's coming right now, right now. And he said, in that day you will know that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. And then he says, you will abide in me. The same as a branch abides in the vine. And then he says, and in that what? Secret where I am in the Father. Father's in me. I'm in you. You're in me. The Father loves you the same as he loves me. And in that day, I will dwell in you, and the Father will dwell in you, and the Spirit will dwell in you. I'm beginning to see a circle of intimacy here that is beyond thought. But that's the gospel. And can you imagine it? Can you imagine it? Within a matter of, what, three, four hours. I Get this. Three or four hours Jesus said all of this. Chapter 13 through 17 of John, he said all of that about four hours before his sufferings began. The cross looms over it. He doesn't mention it. He talks about the resurrection in that day. That's when you're going to know it. But just a minute, Jesus, I thought you are going to die, so I won't go to hell. He doesn't mention it. Not mention it. I mean, surely four hours from dying, you should have mentioned it. No he says the re what he says i'm what I'm going to now, you can't come with me. He told them that where I go, you cannot come, why not, Lord? Why not? No, they hadn't got a clue. he's going to enter into the darkness in into the very belly, the guts of darkness he's going to go into death, and real death, real death is a place of unknowing, unbeing, unlife. And God himself is going to go there, not to save you from hell, but to bring you to the Father. You get it? He talked about this, this secret, this ecclesia. But he was doing it for all mankind, and that's why I say it's an open secret. This is not a closed circle. Eyes must be open. Even the Old Testament talked about it. He, to, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of El Shaddai. It's there. Well, and, and did you notice in that time in the upper room, Jesus said, "There, and, uh, you know, I can't tell you many things and I can't tell the world and, and the world... Da- Uh, and well why not because he says they don't know love you've got to know the father loves you and when you know the father loves you you can love others and then this begins to happen they shall know you're my disciples because you have love one for another and i've only got one entole for you that you love one another that's the way it is because this this describes the reality of the holy trinity you see i i study the holy trinity but i have to watch it because you might end up thinking that the holy spirit's a doctrine the holy spirit is one God, three persons, but three persons that we're face to face with. And and I can talk and they can talk and I can hear in my heart. And th- this brings it out pretty good. Uh, th- this is real. This is not a doctrine. This isn't a statement you signed to join the church. Th- this is that you've been awestruck. It means that you have stood in speechless wonder just before these realities it's a real conversation taking place in your heart and our heart as a group and and the reality of his talking to us it says in that circle he will show he will show you his covenant that's the essence of, of the, the secret. He show you his covenant. And what's covenant? Covenant is union. Covenant is I am joined to you with an unbreakable love. And I seal it in the shedding of my own blood. That is a covenant to this very day. That's it is the sheep so tightly around the neck of the shepherd that the intention of the shepherd is the intention of the sheep. It is the son with his arms around his father now together going into the feast because the son is believing what the father says, and they're one together. He will show. I've been hinting at that the whole time. The Holy Spirit. This is Pentecost Sunday, which means that we're celebrating an actual date on the calendar which is so many days since the actual date of Jesus' resurrection. And this day, the day of Pentecost, we celebrate the Holy Spirit who come, comes into the human race in and upon Jesus. And now Jesus shares that same Holy Spirit with us. So the same Holy Spirit that was upon Jesus is also upon us. The same way as if you pour oil on my head, it will drip onto my body. And we are the body of Christ. and That's the way it is. The Holy Spirit. And it's not force. It's not an energy. It's the ultimate person. Even as the Father is person, even as Jesus is person, so is the Holy Spirit. And, and thank God the word ghost has slipped out of our language A bit. Um, People still say Holy Ghost. It's okay. But then people think of, guess what? (laughs) Ghosts. He's no ghost. Spirit. Spirit is the essence of personality. And he comes. And what does he come? Jesus said, when he comes, he will be your teacher. He will be the one who will cause you to learn. He will be your coach, says 1 Thessalonians 4. He's the revelator. There are many things Jesus said, many things that I cannot teach you. You can't, you can't understand it right now. But when He comes, He's going to open the eyes of your understanding. And that flows into the epistles. And Paul says the Spirit, who is the source of wisdom, the Spirit of revelation in the knowledge of Jesus, the Spirit, same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Open your eyes. And he says he will show you this hope to which you have been called. He'll show to you the exceeding greatness of his power which is in you who believe. That's what the Holy Spirit does. What's revelation? You might have heard us talk about it. Well, you see, you've got information. We call that knowing. What's revelation? I I tell you what it is. In, in our pantry, we've got a lot of cans of soup. That's information. I know it's there because it says so on the can. I can't see the soup. I can't taste the soup. I can't touch the soup. But the can says it's got soup in there. So I believe that it's there, so sort I of. have my doubts sometimes, but then you can never trust manufacturers. Um, but there it is. It it fills our pantry. All these cans, cans of soup, cans of beans, cans of, cans of. That's information. You've got a whole lot of stuff in your head that is information, but you've never really touched it. You've never tasted it. You can't share it. It's a can of soup. Revelation is a bowl of soup. When that can has been opened and its contents gone through a certain process by which it now sends an aroma through the house, excites your saliva glands, and forces you to the table, that's revelation. Do you see the difference? Information, revelation. You go to Bible school, you go to Bible studies and get information, but only the Holy Spirit can open the can and make it part of your life that's revelation that's what the, he says so the secret of the lord is with the, the the persons who fear him and he will show in that circle to those persons he will show he will be a revelation of the covenant and that then becomes a growth you grow you grow In this, You don't get this all at once. And if I've given that impression, forgive me, you grow in this. You grow in it very much so. I love Habakkuk. Is that how you say it over here? Habakkuk or something like that. But um, you know the little prophet I'm talking about. He only wrote, what, three chapters? And in the first chapters, he's getting really upset because the Babylonians are marching on Jerusalem and God doesn't seem to be doing anything about it. And um, his big argument with God is that you can't do this. And God's response is, I'm up to my ears in it. I'm doing it. And, um, and in that, he comes to know God as he didn't know him before, which is really what we're talking about. And in the third chapter, he writes this, this marvelous thing, though the fig tree does not blossom and there be no fruit on the vine and there's no cattle in the stall and there's no sheep in the pasture, yet will I rejoice in the Lord my God. Which is saying if the Babylonians come through and they destroy our orchards and they take our crops and they take our cattle and there's nothing left for us, yet I will rejoice in the Lord my God. That's in essence what I'm talking about here, that I see God and whatever's happening around me i see him and i'm locked in but just a minute just a minute did habakkuk get that all at once see i i did what so many people do they only quote the good bits though the fig tree does not blossom boy we've got songs about that so good but did you read the verse before that where habakkuk is telling us how he feels he has seen a revelation of God, and it has so changed his heart he has to write, though the fig tree does not blossom. But looking out there, it says, "My bones shook." He said, and the idea is, I could almost hear my bones rattling as I look out there, and what's coming, what's coming." The man was still in a state of fear, but he said, "I choose to go with what I have now seen." And therefore, though my physical body is shaking because of what's coming, though the fig tree does not blossom. If I just read, though the fig tree does not blossom, I feel I've got a million miles to go before I get there. But when I hear Habakkuk's bones rattling as he shakes in fear, ah, I feel a lot better. Do, Do you follow what I mean? That we're in progress we, we we we're not we are there because everything i've said is ours jesus said it now the day is coming when every one of us sitting in this circle will know this to the max and jesus said the day is coming it now is and it is every eye ball i see on zoom or here in this place it is this is you mr jones this is your life but i haven't seen it clearly yet i was when i came into the knowledge of christ i was like a kitten they're born with their eyes closed you know and um i had more than i could see i i could experience more than i could explain and please understand, we're all in this growth, this growth. But the Holy Spirit is teaching us. He never stops. He is the infinite teacher. It's who he is. Well, there it is. I, I like the way this verse is, is reported. It's a matter of fact. doesn't get excited about it. He just said, the secret of the Lord is with those that fear him. He will show him his covenant. a matter of fact it is because it's simply true how else can you report it but it has varied effects on our life this this verse can arouse us and now i'm really talking about all of us here including me i've been through this before you so um to come to something like this it can arouse us it's it's an awakening of a longing and a desire to know God in the Holy Trinity in this way this verse just to read it in his matter-of-fact kind of way can arouse me to know that I've never experienced him in this way and of course religion then would make you guilty and shame and answer an altar call or something but the holy spirit now hear me very carefully the holy spirit never awakens a longing within you without it being already yours and ready to be fulfilled your longing is part of the fulfillment so your longing your desire your admitting that i've never trod this path before is not something to be guilty over it's something to rejoice over that i'm already this is this is the open door into it maybe if you can get that it was worth being here today um Of course, also the truth, this matter-of-fact statement can upset us a lot, can shake us. You see, you can have been a devout religious person with rituals and belief systems, but never have a personal, intimate, secret, face-to-face. And then this, this can be very upsetting. So let me upset you a bit more. Um, If your faith in Christ is not amazed, if it isn't wondering, if it doesn't stand in awe, then it falls short of the gospel of the New Testament. And I preach that to myself almost every time I open the Bible because... If you're a theologian you're always on the edge of losing this you can lose God in theology or you can also cause the living God to be understood better by theology but you've got to always come back to it if your faith in Christ the gospel does not amaze you does not cause you to wonder and stand in awe and run out of words to say and describe it, then it falls short of what we read of in the New Testament. So that being the case, don't get upset. Let this matter-of-fact verse call you to know what you've never known before. To eyes be open to see the circle of love that you're already in and don't know it and that's the way it is and it really is father it really is because we've only been extolling your love we've only been telling the world of the amazing person you are and so what else shall we say then holy spirit open our eyes open 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 our eyes wide Open our mouths wide that we might have them filled. Just so that we might see who you are and who we are because of who you are. We thank you. Amen.